Hi, welcome to the Parenting Bridge podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Alden, a licensed professional counselor, parent coach, and family therapist. And I'm here to help you to build a bridge to your best family possible. Again, you know, these are, these are some things that you may already know from listening to the videos or to from doing the family program. Um, structure is super important for your kids. So structure with lots of positive attention and then fewer and clearer commands. And especially I want you to keep that in mind as we talk a little bit. It's going to sound like I'm telling you to negotiate with your child. But I want you to also remember that my number one rule in communicating with your child is fewer and clear commands. So it's not lecturing and it's not talking, but it is going to be open up some doors here that we expect compliance quickly, but it may not be as quick as as you want, right? Remember that 30 seconds that we need to give them to get their brain around it. But that's what we're working towards is that is that we're going to be clear and concise and that we want them to follow up with that action. And they need that. If they don't, they get lost. So immediate inter- intervention, positive or negative, needs to happen. So as we're as we're moving through those things. So you have the structure, clear and few commands, compliance expected right away, and then immediate intervention. And then this not I want to help you to not back down in these tantrums. All of this, this immediate intervention in positive and negative ways is really about motivation and learning. We want to keep our kids motivated. We want to keep learning. And I think that has to do with expecting that compliance right away. If we stop, like I, I tell my child to do something or you tell your child to do something and then they don't do it and then we start explaining why they need to do it or why we need them to do it right now. Well, you got, you need to get your shoes because we got to go and you don't want to make me late and all of this. Then we, we lose our kids and we lose that immediate intervention. So it's like we go, we get the yes mom, yes dad, and we start moving. Let's go. Here we go. And it, it really does help. So also it's in that moment, right? It's not going to happen later. We're not going to correct this behavior later. So that's another part of that intervention is that things have to happen right now. We can't deal with it after the fact. So if if they had the meltdown, if we didn't catch it and they had the meltdown and all these things happen, like we're not going to necessarily correct it. There may be some things we do to resolve some things, but the lecturing and the like, didn't you see this? And, you know, wanting them to feel bad, which they may or may not, isn't going to help them. We got to help them move through things as it's happening. And then afterwards, we have to move through to resolving things so that they kind of learn this pattern too. So one thing I like parents to keep in mind is if this, then this, you know, so if this happens, then this is going to happen. And then, and I need you to really think about that in terms of what you're going to do as well. If this happens, because remember, a lot of kids' behavior is very circular. It happens. It's the same thing that always happens. Every time they have a meltdown, this happens. Every time it's this time of day, I tell them to do this thing, then this is what happens. So we're we're intervening at that point before it happens. So you have to know in your mind what you're going to do. If this happens, this happens. And a lot of people use this in a consequence kind of way. You know, it's like, if you slam your door, I'm going to take the door off your off your bedroom. And that's okay, right? Like, I think that's a good result to happen. But just understand that it's not going to correct the behavior, right? That what they're going to do when they're frustrated. They're going to find something else to slam. 
but it's it's still okay to, for you to know what you're going to do and for your child to know that when this happens, that these kind of things happen. It's just not going to work to hold it over them as punishment. So when you go back later and you say, you know, didn't you learn anything? Like, I already took your door off. What else do I need to take away? Did you learn anything from that? It's like, the answer to that is no. Like, they didn't hold it in their head. They don't have that ability to hold it. Because remember, there's now and not now. So even when you take the door off, it's usually after there's already been a problem. And like I said, well, I'm not in disagreement that that's what needs to happen for safety reasons. You know, that's fine. It's just that is not going to teach. They're not going to learn the lesson at that time. And so there's still some things that we have to learn. You know, here's another way to think about it. And I, I think you can, this picture might help you in a lot of different situations with your kid. If somebody is drowning, like let's say your kid, you know, let's not make it your kid because that's like a little bit scary. <laughs> you might like, yeah, I don't want to think about my kid drowning. But if somebody, if you're a lifeguard and somebody's drowning, you have to have an immediate action to that. You You can't hold up, you know, money and tell them, you know, come on, just swim to me, swim to me, and then and then I'll give you this money, right? Like that's that's what we do sometimes with behavior. It's like the behavior shows that our kid is drowning, and yet we try to to uh, motivate them by saying, you know, if you do this, then I'll I'll do this, right? And the other thing that that we try to do is like, if you drown, then I'm going to be really mad at you, right? Like if you drown, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do this, or I'm, you know, and so. If you think about a person and their poor behaviors as drowning, then we have to interact and to help them at that moment. It may not be the best time to teach them to swim, right? We have to rescue them. We have to help them through that. And so our kids are kind of drowning in their emotions and their frustration, and we have to help them to work through that. And it's going to take some practice, and there's going to take some time, and they're not going to be perfect at it. And so it's in those moments when they're not frustrated, they're not drowning, that we also have to know what we're teaching and how we're teaching it. So flexibility and dealing with frustration are really critical skills. Flexibility and dealing with frustration are critical life skills. And we cannot force those. So I want you to really think about yourself. And if you're a model, are you a model in flexibility in training and are you able to model how to deal with frustration? What do you do when you're frustrated? What's okay to do in your family when someone's frustrated? How do we work through frustrations? We got to teach our kids this. And we teach them both ways. We're going we're gonna to teach them before they're frustrated. We're going to give them some ideas and some problem solving. And we're going to work on this. But at the same time, we're going to help them through it when they're frustrated. So... Remember that the problem is not motivational. It's not like dangling the money, you know, like if you, hey, if you calm down, I'm going to give you this, or we can't go to do this, you know, if you're not going to be calm. It's it's helping them, like, I can see you're frustrated. Here's what we're going to do about it. So our response, it has to be different than what it's been. And we need our kids to be able to stay coherent in their frustration. So what happens is kids that flip their lids, that... um that go over the mountain of escalation, that escalate, you know, from zero to 60, that go out of their minds, that have these extreme meltdowns, they're not staying coherent. They get frustrated. And some kids, it is like hair trigger, right? Um, they make a mistake. 
I have one kid that I work with that if something gets dropped on the floor, even if, if he drops it, if he makes a mistake, if he drops some food, he's just like immediately frustrated. Um, he is learning that he can clean it up. He's learning that he can deal with it, right? And sometimes him dealing with it gets in the way of the of what we were working on. And so we have to be really careful that we are kind of on the same wavelength because we're also, you know, the, sometimes the things they get frustrated about that trigger them, we're not totally aware of. So this is where it's like really watching and being close and understanding, you know, what what we're helping them through. We're going to respond before they're at their worst. That's our goal. And we're not going to be an adversary, right? We're going to see it as an early warning sign or an early sign, and we're going to move towards them to help. So it's not a warning. It's not um, something they're doing to us, right? When they start to get frustrated, a lot of kids will get in trouble. It's like, well, I can't help you if you're just going to get frustrated. It's like, no, no, no. Like, they're already frustrated. Like, how are we going to help them to work through it? Now, I know that the higher the frustration level is, the less they are going to be available mentally and emotionally for you to help. So this is where we have to come in with some really good intervention. Remember, again, I'm going to keep talking about this, that the more frustrated they are, the less flexible they're going to be. And they're already inflexible kids. Like, they're very rigid, right? And so that inflexibility that they have and then us being inflexible, it's like, I told you not to act that way or... They get frustrated because something spilled and then they knock something else over. In that moment, if you meet that with that inflexibility or that irritation, that's going to equal a meltdown. So how you respond to that is going to really matter and that's going to take some practice on your part. So really think about how flexible you are now when you're frustrated, right? Because your kids do something that's frustrating, like spill their milk or... Um, rip their paper because they got mad because they made a mistake on it and now you're frustrated and how how that how that happens you know where we now we're both frustrated right because we've told them a million times like it's okay to make a mistake or it's you know like you don't have to make it worse right and and so you know we we got to really watch how we meet that because it's going to blow up remember we're trying to diffuse it we're noticing that they're frustrated we're and we're we're going to try to keep them coherent through it, which is going to be tricky because they may swear, they may cuss you out, they may think that it's your fault. All of those things that cause us to then meet them with that frustration, right? Like, it's not my fault that you spilled your milk. Why are you yelling at me, right? But if we meet that, that frustration with frustration, it's going to explode. So it's coming around it, understanding that they're, they're frustrated and they and even though they're, they're not, they're, we, they don't have the words, right? They're not communicating with the words that we want. That we're going to help them through that because that's not a trainable moment to teach them the right words. But we're going to help them through it so that we can learn a better way to deal with it. Your child cannot handle these little things that happen. Remember, these trivial things that happen, they are showing you they cannot handle it. They may be saying things, oh, I want you to be aware of the family dynamic, right? When this happens, one person gets frustrated, the next person gets frustrated, and just kind of be aware of that dynamic. Remembering that they're, they're saying things like, I hate you, or screw you, or worse, um, I am, but maybe it really means I'm tired, I'm hungry, I, am, I can't. When they're saying I won't, or I'm not going to, or no, what are they saying? Are they communicating frustration? Do we want to help at that level before it reaches the place where now they're 
going to do everything they can in acting out to communicate how frustrated they are. So we got to help them think. These are not fast shifters. They don't shift from one thing to the other. If they're locked in on something they're frustrated with, even if it's something that's making them really mad, they won't just give it up. I mean, I've sat with kids lots of times trying to help them with homework, things like that. They're they're getting frustrated. They can their their tunnel vision, their ability to listen. You know, they will tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. If you're trying to help them to erase something and they're frustrated, they are gonna. It's hard for them to to shift and to allow for that help. So you know, you're gonna have to have some empathy and um, help them where they are in in that moment. Again, you know, we want to look for those factors before the difficulty arise, ar- arrives. If we know that they always are frustrated with math homework and it always happens like this, then we got to figure out how we're going to approach it. Because if, if we are saying, like, I've told you this a hundred times or this happens every time when you try to do division, you know, then you've got to come around it a little bit differently. So you, So you've got to work on that problem solving um, and not expect them to do it in that meltdown. So it's like starting beforehand, like, hey, we've got a little bit of math to do, and I know math makes you really frustrated, so we're going to try to do it a little differently today. When I see you get frustrated, I'm gonna ha- we're going to just pause for a minute and think and then try it. I'm not going to tell you too much, and I'm not going to expect you to ask for help. I'm just going to notice when you need help. So it may be if you have this ongoing thing, you have to be right there to to help. And it doesn't mean pointing out everything that they're doing wrong or I, you know, because that's going to increase the frustration. So with some kids, you kind of need them to make, let them go, do the work, and then kind of assess whether they can handle that correction at that moment or not. So, and if you're the right one to do the correction. So, you know, sometimes it's not always the parent's place or the best avenue to be the one to make that that correction on something or in that moment. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Bridge. Do you want to learn more about building a bridge to better behaviors? Pick up a copy of Dr. Michelle Alden's new book, Parenting Emotionally Distressed Kids. Or for more resources, you can click on the link for Healthy Foundations. If you would like to leave a comment or a question for Dr. Alden, there's a link in the notes. We'll see you next time. And remember, things can always get better.